Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm going to be talking about um, the fact that you don't need to know everything to give your kids a great education. If you don't know me already, I'm Dorinda Wilson. I'm married to Daryl. We have been married for 31 years. We have eight kids, ages 16 to 29, almost 30. We have six grandkids and another little bean on the way, which we're really excited about. And we've been homeschooling for over 25 years. So welcome to this podcast. Um, As I was going over my notes, I had written this these notes uh, for a workshop last year when I was, or the year before when I was going uh, to conferences and um, just remembering um, just so many great points that are in this particular workshop. So, you know, we all have our reasons for homeschooling, right? I, I bet you if I asked you right now, if you were sitting on my front porch with me and I said, why did you decide to homeschool? You'd have your reasons, right? Um, and I think uh, John Holt, um, said something that was really interesting and I think pretty spot on for most of us. He said, why do people take or keep their children out of school? Mostly for three reasons. They think that raising their children is their business and not the government's. They enjoy being with their children and watching and helping them learn. And they don't want to give that up to others. They want to keep them from being hurt mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I think that kind of covers the whole gamut. We all have our reasons for homeschooling. But the other thing that he said that I think is really interesting is he said, what is most important and valuable about the home as a base for children's growth into the world is not that it is a better school than schools, but that it isn't a school at all. And I think um, as I go through this workshop, I think you're gonna understand more about what that means. So how many of us believe the current public school system is working? Um, Raise your hand if you think it is. I mean, obviously, if you're here, you probably don't think it's working. At least it's not working for you. And yet, so much of the time, we end up trying to imitate it. And so if we're imitating something that we don't believe works, that doesn't quite make sense. And so today, I'm going to help sort of maybe walk alongside you and take your hand and, and and consider some other possibilities as to what actually gives our kids a great education, okay? Part of the reason we imitate um, what we know is because that's what we know. We don't know anything different than that. We only know what we know, right? So my hope today is to sort of present something um, that broadens your perspective on what education really is. And and now that seven of our kids are graduated and I'm looking back, um, that's the perspective that I have written this workshop from. And so just know that I'm speaking because um, from a place of being somewhat seasoned at this, okay? So There's a very good possibility that the jobs that our kids will have in the future more than likely don't even exist yet, right? In fact, the skills that they will really need have way less to do with curriculum and testing, which is the old system, right? The system that we're used to. And it has a whole lot more to do with what we call soft skills. And examples of what soft skills are collaboration and communication and teamwork, okay? Creativity and imagination, we all need that in our everyday life, right? Critical thinking, boy, howdy, do we really need that? 
problem solving. Okay, those are four very, very important skills that we have the opportunity to give to our kids. And I can tell you that um, as our kids have grown up and gone into the real world and gotten jobs, these things have been absolutely key. It wasn't so much the information they knew as it was having these soft skills, okay? These skills can best be encouraged and practiced in the home setting. Home life is a perfect place to learn so many of these things. Now, one thing I want to do is stop and encourage you right now. I just want to tell you, God has made you the parents of your kids purposefully. Like He matched the two of you together, each of your children with you, okay? So that is a God-given role that you have in your children's lives. And because of that, I believe that God puts a mom instinct in us. And it's something that we kind of learn to tune into over the years, but I would encourage you to start thinking a little bit more along the lines of the fact that God made you to be the parent of your kids, and He's going to give you wisdom to do that. And learn to tune in to that mom instinct. Um, And another thing that is really helpful is to be a student of your kids. If you've never sat back and really watched your kids on a regular basis, I encourage you to do that Um, because we learn a lot about how our kids are wired, how they think, what their interests are, how they communicate, um, what they need to work on simply by watching them. Um, participate in activities, play on their own, play with other kids. So there's um, a lot to be learned by being a student of them. But I love this quote. It says, we can best help children learn not by deciding what we think they should learn and thinking of ingenious ways to teach it to them, but by making the world as far as we can and as much as we can accessible to them paying serious attention to what they do, answering their questions if they have any, and helping them explore the things that they're most interested in. Don't you love that? Learning happens best when interest is engaged, okay? So back in the day before our kids... um, when our kids were young, there was no internet. And once the internet came on the scene, I just began to think, you know, it's... Anybody can homeschool now. There's access to so much. It really comes back down to deciding what. And so this is the beautiful thing is that we can actually allow a lot of our kids' interests to help them learn what they need to know. Okay? So... The word education is something that I actually looked up because I had never done that before. And I thought, I think it's kind of important to know what that word actually means. And I found about four very interesting definitions. Okay, the first one was one we're most familiar with. The process of receiving or giving uh, systematic instruction. So that's kind of what we see in the classroom. And my question is always, is that instruction helpful? Is it timely? Are they ready for it? Is it useful? And what seeds are being sown by this through this uh, systematic instruction? I don't think it's completely worthless, but I don't know that it should be front and center when it comes to educating our kids. Okay, so that's the first de- definition of education. Second one is an enlightening experience. Well, my goodness, when my kids get in trouble for making poor choices, that is an enlightening experience, right? Yes. Number three. 
not filling students' heads with facts and information, but helping them develop certain skills and habits that will be useful in a wide variety of situations, okay? Talking about those soft skills that I mentioned earlier. Number four, it's where students spend most of the day actively approaching their learning the way it happens in real life, right? In real time, real life, where knowledge isn't broken up into subjects, where you have to work with others, and where you must draw upon several skill sets and bodies of knowledge simultaneously in order to solve problems. Now, that sounded like the most accurate description of what education really is. And you know what it really sounds like? Real life. And it sounds like homeschooling in real life at home with our families, right? John Holt said... It's not that I feel that school is a good idea gone wrong, but a wrong idea from the word go. It's a nutty notion that we can have a place where nothing but learning happens cut off from the rest of life. Learning happens through real life. So what does it really look like? Okay. Um, So when our kids were little, I knew, like I got these eight kids and I'm thinking to myself, I can't predict what these kids are going to be doing for a living, right? I have no way of knowing what they're going to be doing for a living. Um, Like I said before, the internet didn't exist back then. So if someone would have said that our son would be a software engineer or that one of our other sons would do half of his apprenticeship program online, I would have had no idea what that meant, okay? You really can't predict what it is our kids are going to be doing. But that can also make us feel helpless, right? That's kind of how I felt in that moment. Kind of like, ooh, what do I do with this? Well, for me, um, as a believer, as a Christian, uh, and my my life is rooted in faith. um, So having a creator changed everything for me. And I realized I needed to remember some things, and I want to share these things with you. Believe that God is sovereign over our kids' lives. He has a plan and a purpose for their lives. He's created them for such a time as this. And I know there's frightening things happening in the world right now. And um, we sometimes don't understand how our kids fit into all of this, but we can trust that there's a place for them here. And they they have a purpose and a a plan that God has for their lives. Um, Even with things like ADD and ADHD, God uses that. Um, I believe that there's a, a reason that our kids need to be be able to jump from one thing to the next really quickly because that's how that's how information happens now. So in some ways he's equipping them I believe um, to be that uh, to be able to do that. He's equipping them for this time in history. So their education may look very different than ours. That can make us a little uncomfortable, but it really is okay. And the third thing to remember that even though we're navigating uncharted territory, God promises to give us wisdom if we ask for it. Check out James 1. There's some great stuff there. So I'm going to give you some tools that um, can help you give your kids a great education, okay? The first thing, very, very important, and we hear about this all the time, but it's encouraging our kids to be lifelong self-directed learners. We know that education is about so much more than the input and output of information. So what is it? What is it about? It's like gardening. Okay, so if any of you guys have ever gardened, 
if you've had a homegrown tomato versus a tomato that's been um, not allowed to ripen on the vine, but instead it was gassed, right? Totally different scenario, right? They don't taste anything the same. But when we allow the time and the space for that tomato to ripen on the vine, it is absolutely delicious. It is out of this world and it doesn't taste anything like the tomatoes we buy in the store that have been gassed. And my joke is kind of like, you know, don't gas your kids' education, right? We don't need to do that. We can allow it to happen in an organic, natural way and trust in this natural curiosity that our kids have and this natural desire to learn. I always felt like kids have a natural desire to learn and my job was just to stay out, just to get out of the way, you know, especially when I saw learning happening. This is one of the reasons that I wrote The Unhurried Homeschooler is because I saw um, so many homeschooling parents stressing so much about being at certain mile markers and everybody had to look the same and everything had to be exactly the same. And that's not how our kids are wired. They are all wired uniquely. And when we can learn to sort of walk in sync and in harmony with that, and yes, sometimes they need help, but you know we can get that help for them. And that's the beautiful thing about homeschooling is parents will go to the ends of the earth to figure out what it is that their kids need. And God, God will provide. I promise you that. So um, that little, simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling that I didn't think anybody would want to read has been read by many, many moms. And I've been so grateful to hear the encouragement that it's provided. So if it's something you're interested in, it's on Amazon and I would encourage you to check it out. So, you know, you can listen to somebody talk about this, but then you can you, you know, I always ask myself the question, so what have the results been? Like this woman's talking and she's telling me these things, but what are the results? Well, I can tell you the results have been fantastic for our family. You know, every mom has to listen um, to that mom instinct as to what's best for their family. And that's all I did. And that's really what I'm encouraging you to do. And you may listen to all of this today and say, well, I think I, I could use that and that and that. That is the privilege of homeschooling. You get to pick what you believe is best for your kids. Maybe not everything I'm saying is going to resonate with you and that's okay. Or maybe it'll resonate later. Who knows? But I am just here to bring you encouragement to let you know that it's okay to let go a little bit and um, let learning happen more naturally. And that the things that are really important when it comes to learning isn't that you pick out the perfect curriculum, right? Um, it's first of all, this first thing that I'm mentioning, encouraging your kids to be lifelong and self-directed learners. So now you're probably asking yourselves, so how do we do this? What does this look like? Well, I can only tell you what it looked like for our family and what I've seen it look like for a number of other families, and that is keeping the daily bookwork simple. And the reason that we did that is so that our kids had margin in the day to pursue interests and hobbies. And so in the mornings, and I explained this all in my little book, The Unhurried Homeschooler, but... <clears throat> We spent the morning doing book work, you know, workbooks, reading out loud, um, you know, whatever it is we were doing as more of a focused time of book work. But in the afternoons, even as our kids got older, they always had a block of time in the afternoon to pursue their interests because that's when um, just all kinds of creativity comes alive. But if we're constantly involved in activities and trying to um, busy our kids and keep their schedules filled, 
world, our kids don't have the opportunity to really tap into that creativity. Now, boredom is often the the sort of the launching pad for creativity. So don't be afraid to let your kids be bored and um, and say no. Screens are not going to be a thing. We're gonna. I want you to go out and just produce something. That was my thing. You have this free time, but I want you to produce something. And sometimes that meant they would watch an interesting documentary and they or a YouTube video and they would try something out. They would go fix their bikes. They would ride their bikes. They would, you know, it could be a play type of thing, depending on their age. I didn't tell them what it needed to be. If they came to me and um, they told me they were bored, I had a jar of chores that were ready on a little piece of paper that they got to pick from that. So they never came in and told me they were bored. They would keep themselves busy and I would just kind of watch to see what it is they were doing. If they tried to sneak in a, you know, a bunch of screen time, I was like, nope, that's not part of the deal. We're being productive. This is a hands-on figure something out. Okay. Um, the, so we keep the daily book work simple. Um, the other thing that I did was re- try to engage them by asking questions that show interest, specifically in the things that they're interested in doing. You know, during that hobby time, I my kids love to be smarter than me, right? So I would give them the opportunity to teach me, um, a, which both encourages the learning process and grows their confidence. The next thing we can do is encourage a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Now, you can look this up on the internet. Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K, has a website all about um, encouraging a growth mindset. She's got all kinds of interesting information and resources on there, but she describes it like this. In a growth mindset, people believe that their most basic abilities can be developed through dedication and hard work. Brains and talent are just the starting point. This view creates a love of learning and a resilience that is essential for great accomplishment. So essentially what she's saying here is to learn to challenge our kids to see obstacles as something to overcome, not something that limits them. So if your child has a a, a learning issue or an obstacle in their life, encourage them to see it as something to conquer, not something that limits them. So we encourage a growth mindset when we applaud our kids for their efforts instead of always insisting on a a results-driven outcome. That tends to be my, uh, my weak area. Now, I'm not suggesting empty praise, but rather we model to them what's really important and we encourage ownership. So we're encouraging lifelong learning and we're encouraging ownership. That's the second thing. I realized something with my kids that when I chose not to to kind of hover over them as they were doing their schoolwork or doing their hobbies, um, pulling back on my lack of Uh, on my participation in it, my lack of participation is what made them own what they were doing. The second I tried to participate too much, they looked at it as my deal, my project, my thing, and they lost their motivation. And so I really tried to ride that line carefully. So the third thing is we want to encourage them to develop any new skill that they're interested in, even if it's not something that you can see them doing as a living, right? You'd be surprised the skills that our kids learn from things that have nothing to do with um, what they end up doing down the road. Um, Because what's happening is 
if they're interested in learning a new skill, they're at least learning the skill of learning, right? It's the interest that um, perpetuates the learning. And that's what we want. That goes back to, you know, being lifelong learners. Um, Also, I would encourage you to go back and listen to a podcast that I did with my son, Luke, because uh, he talks a lot about that. It's called Navigating the Post-High School Years. And um, I've done an interview with each of my seven kids, six of the kids of the seven that have graduated so far, and talked about homeschooling, their perspective as an adult, looking back, now that they're adults in the working world, how do they view their homeschooling experience? So that's those are fun to go back and listen to. But the other thing we want to do is, as parents and as moms is to be an example of being a lifelong learner, right? I had interests. I had things I wanted to learn about. And so instead of killing all my hobbies because I was homeschooling eight kids, I pursued things that were interesting to me, like um, like herbs, because it was also something that would benefit my family. And that doesn't always have to be that way, but I would invite my kids. I would invite them, my kids to come alongside me, and I would be so excited about learning certain things that I would just tell them stuff they probably didn't care about. But the interesting thing is, they sort of it sort of piqued their interest, and now as adults, um, they have that mindset of... of uh, being willing to learn. And also they know about herbs, even though they may not have chosen that because I was excited about it and shared it with them. They remembered a lot of it because a lot of times they would go out and um, fiddle around with the herbs that they could find out in the in the fields or whatever. And they'd bring them to me and we'd talk about them um, just because I was excited about it. So we have to set that example as well. So growing lifelong self-directed learners takes time, but we So we can't be in a hurry and we can't overload our days or our homeschooling schedules. Um, Kids really learn best in an unhurried environment where they have time to have their own thoughts, time to be creative, and time to explore and experiment. So another tool that we use to give our kids a great education is encourage our kids to be resourceful. Okay, so let me go back over that again, because I think I may have, if you're taking notes, I don't want to have wrecked your notes here. So tools to give your kids a great education. The first one is encourage them to be lifelong self-directed learners. And then you do that by keeping the daily book work simple, engaging them in questions, encouraging a growth mindset, um, being challenged to see obstacles as something to overcome, ownership, and and in encouraging them to develop any new skill that they're interested in. Okay, so the second thing, after lifelong learning, is um, encourage them to be resourceful. So what it used to mean is, you know, there was no internet. So we would have to find people and encyclopedias and go to the library. And that is still something I would encourage you to do. I wouldn't depend on the internet 100% for all of your information. We want to teach our kids how to uh, be resourceful um, from a broad source of resources. Um, so right, so now nowadays it comes down to recognizing reliable resources. Now Leah Neiman, um, she helps parents navigate technology with their kids, um, and she has some great um, information. You can go to leahneiman.com. 
Com, so N-I-E-M-A-N. I'll try to put that in the podcast notes. Um, so she has a, some great um, articles on how to recognize reliable information. Um, the other thing, the other way that we encourage them to be resourceful is, like I said before, diversifying their sources. They can go to grandpa, to an aunt, a friend, someone in the field that they happen to be interested in at that time, or someone who knows about that. Having them reach out and interact in real life, which also grows their communication skills and their confidence at the same time. So it helps grow those soft skills as well. The other thing that happens that I've noticed is adults who are asked by children about things they're interested in that is an interest of the adult, they have been so wonderful to share so many things. It really encourages the adult as well. Um, The other thing we want to do to encourage resourcefulness is, um, again, that growth mindset to see problems as challenges to overcome, being a problem maker instead of a or a problem solver instead of a problem maker. So when they run into an obstacle in finding their resources, encourage them that they can overcome that obstacle and ask them questions. Well, where, where else do you think we can find that out? You know, do you have what about this? What do you think about this? And just engage them in questions. So one of the things that I used to do is, you know, when the dishwasher would quit working, I brought our kids into the problem, the ones who wanted to come. I would just be like, okay, guys, got a problem in here. Can you come help me? This dishwasher's broken. Now, mind you, it very much affected them because they did dishes. And chores is another podcast that I have that um, why they're essential in homeschooling. Um, That's another podcast that I would encourage you to listen to. But I would have them come in and I would say, you know, so Anyway, they had to do dishes. So if the dishwasher was down, this was going to fall on them. So they were pretty motivated. They would come into the kitchen, and um, usually it was the boys because they like to fix things, and they love to be the hero and try to figure out, help me figure out what was going on. And so they would have conversations, and of course, there's a little competition that goes on with boys. And ultimately, even if we didn't get the problem fixed or the final answer was to call the repairman, we had engaged them in the critical thinking process and in being creative. And we were also building relationships based on mutual respect. And this is essential, especially as our kids get older. The other thing we want to encourage is critical thinking, okay? Um, Critical thinking is basically, it comprises a number of different skills that help us learn to make decisions. Moms, you use this every day in your everyday life. Um, It's a matter of teaching our kids how to do it, and we do it also by example. But critical thinking is the ability to evaluate information to determine whether it's right or wrong. To think critically about an issue or a problem means to be open-minded and consider alternative ways at looking at solutions, okay? So um, this is something we really desperately need in the next generation. Um, The thing I will warn you about though, when they get good at this, it'll backfire on you in the teen years. (laughs) They become incredibly great at debating with you. So watch out for that one. Make sure you maintain your um, authority and your rightful position as um, parents of teens, but also recognize that sometimes they actually do have a good argument and um, a very reasonable case that we can listen to. If they present it respectfully, um, that is something we um, as parents should look at. We want to encourage critical thinking. So in a complicated world, um, easy answers are not sustainable. It is crucial that our kids think 
learn to think critically. And this happens slowly over time. And this is the beautiful part of home life and family life. We're living life alongside one another and we're slowly building those building blocks of critical thinking. But we can practice it in in real everyday life. A lot of people, I have friends who've used critical thinking curriculum, and that can be helpful if your child enjoys that sort of thing. My kids did not. We chose to teach our critical thinking through everyday life, problem solving with everyday life, real problems that were right in front of us. It takes a little longer, but it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. So we have to make sure that we're looking at these things that seem like obstacles in our day to maybe instead look at them as opportunities. So when they come along and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I just want this obstacle to go away so we can move on to the next thing, stop and ask yourself this, is there an opportunity here? to teach my kids something because um, it happens a lot when we're homeschooling. And those are the lessons that really hit home and that really um, cement in our kids' hearts because they happen in everyday life and in relationships. So the best, this is really the best preparation for real life, solving everyday life problems like dishwashers breaking down, etc., Tim Elmore at growingleaders.com pointed out that this generation of kids is not getting their information from the adults in their lives. They're getting most of it from the internet. So it's crucial that we are passing on time-tested principles that will help them have discernment so that they can navigate these uncharted waters. So critical thinking, again, very, very important. These conversations are crucial and we got to have the time in our day to stop and have those with our kids. And I look back at our homeschooling years, 25 plus years, those have been our best times together as a family. Um, and it's interesting because these time-tested principles that, I'm, that, that Tim Elmore mentions are really wisdom that we find in God's word and by the Holy Spirit. So growing our kids in wisdom, not just knowledge and information is crucial. Homeschooling in real life is the perfect scenario for this. Um, The third tool that we use to give our kids a great education is to encourage a strong work ethic. We want our kids to learn to enjoy the satisfaction of a job well done. Again, that doesn't happen overnight. And I talk more about this in um, my podcast on chores. Um, Work ethic is absolutely crucial. The definition of work ethic is a value based on hard work and diligence. It is a belief in the moral benefit of work and its ability to enhance character. So look, enjoying work as for work itself, right? Every job we have has things that we don't enjoy about it, but it also has things we do enjoy. Focusing on those things we do enjoy and understanding that that's a blessing to be able to work and to have that feeling of satisfaction of a job well done. This is why I did not pay my kids to do daily chores. Again, all of that information is in my podcast on chores. Okay, so <clears throat> what does this look like in real life? I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? it's It actually looks and sounds like a lot of howling and whining and You might just be called the meanest mom on the planet. That's when you know you're winning and you're succeeding. (laughs) Right? This is part of parenting. 
This is when we've got to put our big girl pants on and say, I don't care if you don't like it, it needs to get done. That's how work ethic is grown in our kids. All the character issues you can imagine will be brought out, yours and theirs, but it is worth it. It is so worth it. I can tell you it's worth it. Our grown kids say that work ethic was at the top of the list of the best things that we have taught them. It built something in them that is becoming obsolete in our culture, and that is grit. Studies show that grit, or work ethic, is a tangible predictor of success. So I want to share with you um, a few thoughts on what grit is, okay, to help it sort of help you sort of define it, right? So number one, the more we do for them, the less they learn to do for themselves. Now, it doesn't mean that we'd never do anything for them, right? There's a time for grace. There's a time to step in. But we have to understand our kids are often more capable than we give them credit for. Number two, the easier life is for them, the less likely they naturally develop grit. It's okay that things are difficult. It's okay that they have obstacles, Life should not be a life of ease. If we try to convey that to our kids, we are lying to them because that's not what real life is. I'm not saying we have to be harsh, but we need to encourage them that they can overcome obstacles and they can problem solve, that they can do this. And we can encourage them to pray and ask for wisdom. We can pray with them. We can help them problem solve. But the easier life is for them, the less they naturally develop grit. Number three, the more we prescribe for them or decide for them, the less they are apt to develop grit. We aren't lining, what I mean by this is we're not lining every single thing out for them, overloading their schedules, but we give them time and space to experiment, explore, and follow their interests. Number four, the faster their solutions come, the less they tend to develop grit. We live in a culture that is addicted to instant gratification. Encourage them, but it's okay to let them struggle and even fail sometimes. Number five, the more resources we give them, the less resourceful they become. We got to quit giving them all the answers, encourage them to seek out answers, and we ask them a whole lot more questions, okay? Um, Our kids developed work ethic through everyday life, chores. We grew a garden together. We built a house together. That may not be exactly what it looks like for you, although I would encourage the chores for sure. Every family has to have chores. But there, God's put you in a place where you can give your kids everyday life opportunities to develop grit. So be thinking about what that looks like for you. By instilling a strong work ethic and grit, our kids, our kids learned to do things well even when they didn't really want to. Okay, that's perseverance. They learn to work well with others. That's teamwork and collaboration. They learn to see what needs to be done and do it. That's initiative. They figured out how to overcome obstacles in order to accomplish the goal. So problem solving and critical thinking. They they learn to become capable and skilled in many areas, which grew their confidence. So what does that sound like? That sounds like real life. Lifelong learning, resourcefulness, work ethic, and grit are rooted in biblical principles. Those characteristics that I just described to you are biblical principles. Um, and these are biblical principles. One, being teachable is, being a, is learning to be a lifelong learner. Number two, being resourceful is essentially being a good steward. 
And number three, having a strong work ethic or grit is being diligent. And Proverbs talks a lot about diligence. Um, Learning happens naturally when we encourage these values in our kids and trust their natural curiosity and innate desire to learn. What makes homeschooling so great is that we have the freedom to homeschool from where we live, trusting that God will lead us, and often He leads us through our children and through their interests. It is a serious mistake to say that in order to learn, children must first be able to delay gratification, right? In other words, must be willing to learn useless and meaningless things on the faint chance that later they may be able to make use of some of them. It is their desire and determination to do real things, not in the future, but right now, that gives children the curiosity, the energy, the determination, and the patience to learn all that they learn. And that is why you really don't have to know everything to give your kids a great education. 